we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. I'll try not to rant about the, the um, Gambler um, Leo Nitri again. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, want to, I want to experience it in real time. If you freeze it there. Who is on the field for the Newcastle Knights? Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Strikes a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a title, Andrew John. Root streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is. Debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Well, this is a uh, Bay 53 special recording. Um, that's the, we're, we're at Bay 53 Central, uh, the morning after our um, strong, solid home win over the Tigers. But uh, we'll, we'll probably talk about that on a later episode. Um, but today, what we want to do is um, we're going to have a bit of a um, watch along as it was, and um, yeah, relive uh, for as long as we can the Knights' uh, club record win over the Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah, we're going to sit back, watch it, and share our thoughts as the game goes. Still can't believe it happened, Bretto. The, the, the shock for me is not the 11 tries, it's the 11 goals. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's got, especially after last night. So what we actually found out during the Tigers game as well was that KP was on uh, 20 straight. So it was 20 conversions straight, or 20 kicks for goals straight. Um, as a result of this uh, this Bulldogs game. So he got his last two last night, so he's back on a two-kick streak. Yes. All right, so, yeah, kicking off that... Um, it was Sunday, wasn't it? it was a Sunday yeah, Sunday, game. yeah. I mean... You sort of you don't want to re, you don't want to rewrite history too much, but again, it's easy to forget just how nervous we were for the start of this game. I mean, three losses in a row from our from our second bye, and we were going up against the Dogs team at home where we don't perform against the Dogs particularly well. We haven't had one in Sydney for ten years against them, and yeah, there was every likelihood that this was really going to once and for all end our season. So real nervous to start the game. The big concern in this game for me was that um, the Canterbury, the big guns are about to come back. So I kind of thought, well, maybe these guys are a bit, feeling a bit refreshed and, you know, thinking, well, we, we can get our season back on track here. Oh, yeah. It was a fairly solid first set, though. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, as we watch it, there's only so much that they can do. Remembering uh, Gagai was out, so I think this was... Um, 
Uh, Tarala came in, he was in the centres as well. And you and I have never really been comfortable with Anari in the centres. He sort of, he's played his best footy for us on the wing, so that was a bit of a, a concern for us. Yanari next to Dom was a real worry for me. Yeah, but I mean, up against Fox. But I mean, it's a solid first couple of minutes to the game. Like they, they obviously came in switched on, ready to um, ready to play. KP looking good early. It's kind of how KP played this whole game, you know. He, he wasn't really spectacular at all, but he scored a couple of tries and, and whatnot. And, but he didn't score any tries. No, he no, didn't. No, he did. It was a try assist, that's right. But he wasn't spectacular the whole game, but he just, yeah. Which is probably the most pleasing command. Right, so this is, because so I, I was watching with Joe, and this is when we started the pan, not panic, but this is when that. Oh no, vibe sort of started to feel it set in. So we're in our second set and we couldn't even complete that. And again, like this was a set this was a seven tackle set. Yeah. And we couldn't even get one ta- like one proper ta- tackle through it. And this is when we started to think, oh, is this gonna be one of those afternoons? I have been mentioning last night's presser that as great as the Canterbury performance was, what he could work on was we had a bit of a slow start in that game. Yeah, so they said there was a focus last night to start fast. Well, that was the thing, wasn't it? Because I think as this game goes on, we it's it's a it's a fair while now before we actually complete a set. So this yeah. this set the rot of just being unable to um, complete, and then we were giving away these silly. See, there's a silly penalty there, and even Tyson Gale like Look, that's there's nothing in it. But again, it's that sort of it's that really cheap stuff that we give away. Yeah. So the dogs have got a penalty. They're 20 metres out from here. Like, it's really... Again, like you said, it's easy to look back on it. You don't want to rewrite it. But you're starting to get really nervous here mm. in terms of, oh, a try here and we're... We're actually really up against it. I thought for all money, Pangai Jr. was going to score there. I thought he'd just rip us up in the middle. So you said something interesting last night, Fredo, about the nights when there's 12, when, we, when we're down to 12, is that we sometimes have a tendency to defend a bit better because teams make the mistake of thinking that they need to attack us out wide when it's actually through the middle yeah, we're usually at our softest. Yeah, we're, we're our weakness in defence is through the middle, and when you're playing twelve men, the weakness is in the middle because because the, there's more gaps in the middle, so it's harder for those big men to cover space. So it was interesting against the Bulldogs that, and I mean they still, they were sort of like even in the early stages of this game they start they're, they're making a bit of movement up the middle of the field, but then once they get to that red zone they want to push it wide when. You know, the Knights historically, we love conceding those tries close to our line in the middle, just, you know, because we sort, we sort of let those ones through. So it was almost like the Dogs missed a bit of an opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, see, there's another one as well. And this was, and so we're six minutes in, and we was, I was starting to get a bit pissed off with Dom as well because he, he stuffed up that play the ball. I mean, that's not a good pass, but it's still catchable. Of, yeah, you think it's catchable? It's die high. And again, like I said, we're playing against this team that's below us, which our season's on the line, and we just can't. We just can't, we still can't do the basic stuff right. Yeah. It's interesting though, um, Blocker Roach says something um, quite uh, interesting there in terms of... No, he did not. No, I, I swear, stay with me here. Um, he does make a point, like, if Dom catches that, he's actually probably clear through to the try line, yeah. so it's funny looking back on it now, the pessimism of me was like, oh, we can't do this, we're not doing that, but the, actual, the signs actually were there from the get-go that we, were, we, we could be on today, because... Yeah. If we'd done a couple of other things, we actually could have started the scoring a lot earlier. We just weren't clicking yet. Because as you said, Adam O'Brien pointed out, we just we just didn't have that strong start in us. And from here on, we had a lot of ball down their end. Mm. And that's where I did make a comment in the chat group to you boys that when before Jacko did score, that we had to score. We'd had so much ball at this end. Yeah. Yeah, we really, really felt like we had to score. See, there's a nice run from Adam Elliott. Adam Elliott is looking so much freer now than he was, obviously, in the early part of the season. I mean, you know, injured in round one, took him a while to get back. And you and I sort of had concerns that maybe he was done. Having said that, though, then he fucks up that attempted offload. So, yeah, there's just these these moments that we're sort of pushing these things that aren't working for us, and you try. You can tell we're trying to make it work, but it's almost like we're trying to take the game on rather than let yeah. the game come to yeah. us. Yeah. But to me, that was the worry. To me, the worry was, are we so nervous to try to score in every play? Yeah, 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 yeah. And we did a bit last night too, trying to score a lot on every play once we got that good lead. But again, what we know now, you know, with the way this game goes, is that they actually did go out there with the right intent. Mm. It was just, are we going to execute? Playing that style is fine. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of good teams. Like Brisbane play that style. They make a lot of errors because they throw it and they want to score every play, but they back it up with their defence. So I was just about yeah, to you, say, you, yeah. you can play that style, but you've, you've got to, you know, then um, defend your errors. And it's actually one of the things about the Adam O'Brien coaching style. I do wonder if... He said to the players, I'm, I'm happy for you to throw it around, but the problem for you is that when you throw it around and you make a mistake, our defence isn't good enough to cater for that. So I want you to start playing a safe style so that we can get our defence up to a level where we can yeah. start playing the type of footy we want to play. Yeah. And realistically, we've only been poorly poor in defence one game in you, that was Parramatta. Yep. Even the other games we've lost comfortably, I wouldn't say we were poor. We weren't great, but we weren't poor. Now, now that we're at this, so we've, we've just beat the Tigers, you know, we're obviously, you know, put 66 on the on the Bulldogs. Have you thought much more about the Eels game? Like, what do you re- what do you put that down to? That, but that's funny. You know, like, if you go there, switched off 5%, it's hard to switch it back on. Yeah. So I think we weren't there ready physically or mentally, and we just couldn't then find it. Yeah. Like we were so lucky that night. The way we defended, Paris should have put 80 on us. Yep. The Gutho and Moses Hogan to try and score a million tries sa- saved us. Mm. 
So you really, but do you just put it? It was just one of those nights. It was just one of yeah, those things yeah, that happens. Yeah, yes. It didn't have to be a bigger yeah. like deal in terms of the club. Well. That's a massive forward pass from Phoenix from the dummy half just then, by the way. But yeah, that Eels loss. It, it's okay for that to happen. I don't understand why KP doesn't put the foot down there. I thought once he, he got to render the wing and palm him off from yes. there. See, now this is the thing. So 10 minutes in and Gamble goes for the try off uh, the Hastings kick. But again, what I was thinking at the time was, well, there's another set we haven't completed. Like, we're just yeah. not... I, I just remember the first 10 minutes. I was like, oh, nothing's happening for us. Nothing's going to happen for us. We just can't seem to... It's just the tale of our city. And like, even that mini break from KP there, I was like, why didn't he just make it go straight for the try line like he d- normally does? So 10 minutes in, Bredo, where are you sort of... Are you happy with how we've been going so far or are you st- still nervous or...? I'm nervous, in, as I said, in the fact that I don't trust our defence. So my, my nerves was that we'd had, we'd had all the ball at their end. We'd made a lot of errors. We would look like we could score at any time we wanted to. But I was just worried now we'd then, you know, concede a soft one and the whole game would turn. KP is looking so... He really is back to his old confident self at the back now. Like, remember there was that period last year, obviously, he's copping all these knocks to the head, but it had been coming for a couple of years where even when he was taking kicks at the back, it was all about protecting himself. He yeah. wasn't... Yeah. Like, even when he was attacking the ball to take the bomb, it was an attack to make sure that he wasn't taken out. Yeah. But now you get the impression he really is just playing the game on its merits, not... Oh, what if I get hit, or I've got to keep myself safe? You know what I mean? He's yeah. play, he seems to be playing with a lot more freedom again. had a really solid start to the game as well. He was looking really sharp out of dummy half. And one thing I've actually noticed about him over his past couple of games is he's backing his running game a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, I think he's starting to realise he's not a classic dummy half. Yep. You know, he's strength his ability to, to run and to ball play a bit in a bit of space. It's almost like he's been happy to take on that role of that Kurt Mann role but not injured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How good is it to see uh, we've got a halfback now who's happy to run, but, you know, Mitchell Pearce, he, he, it's like he didn't realise that because he was getting old, his running game wasn't as good, so he wasn't smarter about it. Yeah. Watching Jackson Hastings over you know, the past few couple of months, you know, he's obviously taken on board. My body's not the same as it was 12 months ago, but his running game now, he's not just running for the sake of it, like yeah. he's running when he thinks that there's something yeah. there. Yeah. And that, tr- like, that try... 
great dummy. It's a great halfback try. But I looked at Joe and I said, this Bulldogs team is shit, man. Like that is a that is one of the softest tries I think you will ever see a, in um, in first grade. So that's smart from Jacko, but you you you're standing in front looking at Jade knock a ball going, well you shouldn't be in the middle of the field. You're you're a yeah, shit, you're yeah. a shit winger, you know. Yeah. I'm going to take you on. So it's, and, and it, yeah, ultimately it's a combination of two things. It's like you know, and as I said to a lot of people after the great game, they were like, well the Knights that good or the Bulldogs that bad? And I was like, oh look, the Bulldogs were absolutely that bad. But the Knights still had to do something like to take advantage of it. And that try sort of sums it up. Like, that defence is just awful. Yeah. But Jackson still had to do something right to um, to get the job done. Well, we got a glimpse of Jackson Hastings running game last week, and we saw it again just then. And he wants to lean on that more going forward. He admitted that some mental demons from his ankle injury last year have held him back from running, and so did the pressure of being a game manager while Caelan Ponga was playing 5-8. But with Ponga back at fullback,
Alton got here the first half. Our first game on the Sunday ticket. Rossman makes the catch. Bright sunlight. Gorgeous weekend again here in Sydney. What conditions these are? At this point, I'm thinking we need to put them away now. Now we've shown we can put points on them. Yep. You know, we've got that try now. Now we need to go go again. So we were talking about... Let's talk a bit more about Greg Marju. It's funny. We've probably... We probably haven't spoken about it as much whenever we've recorded. Like, whenever we've recorded talking about the games, like, Greg Marju had another blinder. How well is he going? So glad we picked him up. He still feels underappreciated. Yeah, like he, he, Like, we were sort of talking about it last night in terms of... And you watch this bust here. Like, the second... It's a second hit up after we scored a, a try. And like you said, like one of the things the Knights love to do is finally take a chance and then still not capitalise it by, you know, giving up the, the uh, on the next set or, or you know, conceding yeah. the next try. Yeah. And so here's this barnstorming run by Greg Marju, pick up those metres, you know, creates a situation where we get a penalty and we're up the field. Greg is, he's just having a, an amazing season. Like yeah. just this incredible... Season that sort of um, like if it was, it, it's sort of it's the type of season you'd expect from somebody who's in contention for Dalian Winger of the Year. Yes, yeah, yeah. But one of the things we were sort of discussing, like you think about the when when you talk about value for money, we're probably getting some of the best buck, bang for buck value for money out of Greg Marju of any player in the competition this year. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone you could say, yeah, for value for money. I mean, considering he's probably on 250, maybe three, but probably 250, for, a, you know, a guy that comfortably top five winning the comp this year. 200 plus metres per game, one to two tries a game. He's, um, he's got the most tackle breaks of the for any player this season. And no howlers, no nothing, you know, where you go, you know. And so this was the thing we were saying is that, you know, the knock on him was that he had too many errors. Well, it's not even that he's gotten rid of the errors in his game. Great try by Brady. It's, it's really good to see two things from Bradman Best this year is one, he's playing injury free. So he's, you know, he's getting into some open space. But more recently, getting him... He's scoring tries. Like, he's yeah, not just crossing yeah, the line, yeah, yeah. but he's getting rewarded for yeah. his efforts. Because he had that real problem where he was kind of looking for contact, whereas now, you know, he's actually running in, in between players, which, you know, yeah. makes it a little easier. <laughs> but he legit, at one stage, yeah, like, really felt like he was running into contact. But you, because you were saying something this morning that you didn't realise how long he'd actually played his earliest um, footy as a junior. Not as a sort of utility outside back slash foot. No, he was a forward. Like, yeah. That's how it... Yeah. So you know, I, wonder... I, I thought he was an edge-filling guy because he was such a good centre in that, but no, he was a genuine forward. So maybe that's something that's actually... Like you said, he's been looking for contact, mm. and that's the forward in him that's sort of like, oh, yeah, I take on the big hit-ups, so I've got the body strength to sort of get it. When yeah. Maybe now he's actually focusing on hitting the line, getting into space, yeah, and uh, playing like a genuine outside back. Yeah. And I just think he's the sort of guy that likes to run over people, you know. Yeah. He's all like he just ran over people, you know. Yeah. Um, but just on Greg Marshu again, like we said, it wasn't even so much that he was just cleaning up the little mistakes in his game, but he's actually become one of the safer options on the field yeah. now because you can see the way he assesses the risk versus reward. And he's like, 
Well, I'm going to take the safe play here to make mm. sure that you know we keep possession, or I don't go out, or you know they don't. And um, he's really just he's yeah. The only one, the only one this year that I would you know, say was a huge error was the one where he let Brady catch the bomb against Brisbane for the second last try. Yeah. Yep. He, let, he let Brady get what it should have been his ball, and he, you know, he had the better hands being the winger. Yep. And don't get me wrong, obviously, he hasn't had the perfect season, and you know, he had a shocker against the Eels like the rest of them did. But our expectations for, for Greg Marju were pretty low coming into this yeah, year. Yeah, I thought he'd be third choice winger. I thought yeah. he'd be the feeling guy. Yeah. And um, and now he's you know one of the most automatic selections in the team. Well, yeah, alongside probably KP and... Um, yeah, maybe a couple of other... Yeah, he'd be one of the first ones picked. KP with another sideline conversion. We're 12-0 up. You know, we're 20 minutes into the we game. We've 14 missed tackles to nil after 19 minutes. And this is what we were saying about the Bullock. Like, they were terrible on this on this game. Absolutely terrible during this game. But it was so good to see us. Like, how many times have we seen the stats all in our favour and we're not putting any scoreboard pressure yeah. on? We're not getting any reward for it? Yeah. So it was just good to see us finally getting some sort of scoreboard reward for all of the otherwise statistical dominance in our favour that we were managing to create. It's kind of how we won last night too. We didn't play particularly well, but the top, when we dominated the game, we put points on the board. Yes. Newcastle are the premiers. I must admit, I was genuinely surprised how little involvement Matt Burton had in this game. I thought, I really did think he'd see this as an opportunity to get himself into form. I mean, he was probably playing with origin selection on his mind. And he, you know, we've always said about the Knights, the thing about opposition teams is that they always see the Knights as a gettable win. And so I was just really surprised how quiet Matt Burton had been this far into the game even. See how Marju runs back in field there? Like, he's, he's just playing those high-percentage plays, whereas we're used to seeing our players trying to hug the sideline and being dragged into touch. Any other game, we're, we're defending them. Yeah. But Greg's playing that, that really high-percentage um, game. That means we've still got possession, we've still got control. You were um you were really looking forward to Adam Elliott coming into the team this year. Are you starting to see some of the stuff from him now that you were expecting? Is he Yeah, yeah. So his strengths his ability to ball play in the middle of the field and still be a solid defender at the same time. That's what he brings. And even when he was even when he came back, his defence was still okay, but his movement wasn't great. So he you know, he wasn't really tightened up the middle like we wanted him to. But we were getting out of that, you know, that ball plane. He was just sort of crabbing across field and getting smashed. But now, you know, he's sort of, he's, because he's running more freely, means that teams can't just rush up on him because he can ball play. So he's got, you know, he's got that option now to run and make an easy nine or ten metres. I still don't know what... Okay, so there we go. That's a, that's a poor read from Greg there. 
I don't know what he was thinking at this stage, not picking up the ball. Watching this, I didn't think Phoenix had that good a game at dummy half, but 20 minutes into the game, I think he's actually really controlled the ruck really well. Another thing I was noticing about the way we were playing in this day as well is that we were, our kick chase was a lot better. Like, we had a lot more energy and sort of um, uh, intent about us when, when our halves were putting the kick in. Mate, one of the few things that you and I have sort of disagreed, I'm not disagreed on, but it's probably seen a bit differently, is um, how Leo Thompson's been going for us this year. I've probably been a bit more glass half full than than you have with him. Where where do you think Leo should be at the moment, and where do you think he's at compared to that? Oh, I think Leo's ahead of where he should be. Yep. My, my disappointment with him has been, and it's more my expectation, so a guy that come from... Being a you know inside centre in rugby, so he's a he's a running player. To me, he's turning himself into a workhorse unnecessarily. Okay. And maybe that's a, you know maybe that's on the Saps. You know maybe that's them not doing their job. So he's turning into a defensive guy that'll just you know get you 100 metres a week. Like, and we see one last night where he wound up, and he's got such great leg speed. You know, yeah. I, want, I want to see that young Tyra. You know that's a, that's what I wanted to see out of him. And we haven't seen that, but that's not on him. My disappointment's been in the fact that. He's already become this solid workhorse guy. Mm. You know, that's not what I want. That's what I want out of Matt Croker and, you know, and that sort of stuff. And Adam Elliott. But in terms of where he should be, you know, like he's a starting front row on the NRL three years into playing league, you know, like... Mm. So what you're sort of saying is that he's ahead of where you'd expect someone at that level to sort of He's a better player now than James Fisher-Harris was at this age. Now, James Fisher-Harris was an edge player that became a middle, but he's a better player at this, at this age than Fish was. But conversely, and, and I think, you know, you can say these things together, is that, but conversely, he's not being the best player yet that he can be. No, no, he's, no. He's, he's ignoring no, his no, best I, 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 I think he's got the potential to be a top three or four prop in the NRL. Yeah. Because he's got all the, you know, he's, he's really good defensively, which is amazing, you know, considering he's new to the game. Mm-hmm. Really good defensively. As I said, he's got really good leg speed. You know, he's a, a few more um, NRL offseasons, he's going to get bigger and bigger. I, you know, I, I think the sky's the limit. He'll be the pack leader. Um, I think the floor for him is David Clemmer. Okay. okay. And, and the ceiling is you know, a lot higher than Clemmer. This was an interesting challenge just just on the game here. I, I actually do specifically remember this, is that 
I thought this was a, a, a call that was going to go against us because as soon as you see the lost ball, as soon as you see a Knights player in the tackle, you think, oh, yeah, well, they're going to award this. But that was such a clear case of the Bulldogs player trying to force the offload. The Knights player, he literally doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so if he's going to go, what just happened? And again, in the context of the game itself, that's a, this is a massive turnaround because this happens. Or at least we score off the next set. I'm pretty sure we score off this yeah, set. Yeah, yeah. See, this is the thing. It's only 12-0 after 25 minutes. There's still no indication yet about what's to come. I just should be dropped that. That's, <laughs> and, that but the, and that's the classic Fitzy. Run the good line. Get over the line. You know, and the, the not easy put down, mm. he always drops. It's, it's god-awful defence for the mm. dogs. Like he, the it's kind of a nice way. You, you've, you've found the rookie 5'8", who you know, is untested at this level, and just run, run your edge back rollers straight at him. Like you know, that the line. They've isolated that poor guy so badly. Yeah. 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 Ah, but again, like I said, that's historically that's still a that's still a try that we fuck up. Yeah. Like we like you said, we find a way to drop it, or yeah. we don't get it across the line, or we're held up, or whatever it is. And now it's sixteen to nil up. My anxiety is moving from. Uh, I hope we don't let get blown off the park to, well, I hope we don't let this lead slide. Like, it's so easy to forget how cooked we were, that the Knights fans were going into this game. We were petrified about what was going to happen. And so you think about it from a fan's perspective, we can, surely some of that's got to be playing on the players' minds as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That Penrith game away was a real indication of where their mindset was at at the time. You know, they, they just seemed scared to, you know, let it, let it all out. They were, they were just trying to hang on. I do wonder if the Broncos' loss had a lot to do with that, because... For I all think the, Roosters, fans, the Roosters lost. Well, I just feel like if... I think we could have lost the Broncos. If we just hadn't lost it in the way that we did, like right at the death after playing so well, I think we still could have lost that Broncos game and beaten the Roosters and played a lot better against Penrith. But I just think the way that we lost against the Broncos, because we, we discussed it last time. Like I thought to myself, we could not play any better against the Broncos and we still lose. And you just start to go back within yourself over the next couple of games. Incredibly, our best performance this year is still the loss to Brisbane. Yes. Yes. So just quick, no, just quickly this. So off the kick, this is when I actually started to feel confident, funnily enough. When the Bulldogs kick this out on the full, another great... See, look, that's a great bit of vision there from Greg. This is when I started to think, all right, we actually, we actually might, have, um, we might have a grip on this game now. 
Because I, again, I'm seeing it from a different perspective. I'm used to us being on the other end of this. We're three yeah. tries down. We're pushing yeah. for something there. Now we're kicking out on the full. Yeah. And you just know how that it starts to all sort of snowball. Yeah. So this is where I really start to think, yeah, we've got it. We've got a chance here. We've really got a grip on this game. And I kind of thought at this point, yeah, if we can get another one here, this crowd will really turn on them. Yes. Because the dogs fans are already annoyed, you know, how this year's been going. We all know how, you know, how rabid they are, but it's not going their way. I was really like, okay, what was the disadvantage playing away? Might now might be an advantage. Advantage to us. Where they're all offside there. Funnily enough, the fact that we got tackled on the fifth there, I didn't mind that the set ended that way. Because I was just glad that we completed the set. We still had good field position and we hadn't given away a seven, seven tackle set. Hey, one thing I was noticing during this game was how quick we were off the defensive line. And we really were defending with a little bit more intent than we'd ser- certainly that we'd seen in the previous three losses. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny what you say about our edge defence. It's definitely somewhere that we've improved this season is that we really do get... Pla- we, we do get numbers out wide when we need them to a lot better than we have in the past. Like, play... Teams used to just run around us and they didn't even have to make any effort to do it. Yeah. For sure. Jacob Carraz, how did we ever let him go? <laughs> and again, this is what you and I were talking about with Greg last, uh, Greg last night, was that you think about what we gave up to get Greg Marju here. You know, Chris Randall goes up to the Titans... If that deal had happened the other way around, so if we'd taken on a player of the calibre of Randall and given up a player like Greg with the output, like we'd be getting absolutely cooked yeah. by all and sundry about how badly we'd done in that deal. Yeah. Yeah, you look at two, like, trade, player trades are so rare now. Yes. We've done two and nailed them both. Correct. In the offseason, absolutely nailed them both. We've got a blue chip winger and we've got a functioning halfback. For a you know a, a backup hooker and a prop that was superfluous, what we needed, and it was eating up so much of our, of yeah. our salary cap. Yeah. And it's been interesting. I've, I've sort of, I've throughout the whole year, I've half waited for Greg to play. Yeah, me too. And it just doesn't seem to be happening. And you know, I'm sure, you know, all wingers have absolutely fucking mares of games, you know. Absolutely. But it happens at the best. And I'm sure that'll happen. It'll be interesting to see what happens after that. Because he, he does seem to be a confidence player. Yeah. And as Peter Sterling always used to say, that, that, that being a confidence player, it's almost a backhanded compliment in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure Sterling said it's, it's almost the worst thing you could say about a player. Yeah, yeah. See, that's... Because you're essentially calling him a downhill scout. Yeah. 
see that set there by the dogs as well. Like the the attack just seems so flat at this stage. And I mean, one of the things about the Knights, the biggest issue we've always had, particularly last year, was that all you all of the opposition had to do was once you had to play the ball inside the twenty, that's it. You knew they were going to score. And so it was so funny to watch this game how poor in attack the dogs were once they were getting into the red zone. It's interesting, we, you know, we chose this year to move KP to 5'8", where we've actually got the outside backs now that suit KP at fullback. Yeah. We've got the back four now that are, that are meter readers. Yes. You know, it means KP doesn't need to run the football, which is his weakness. Meter reading, you know, meter, um, he's not a Dylan Edwards type. Um, yes, yeah, so, see, it's so funny you, you were saying it, because I was looking at the stats for KP against the Tigers, and again, by the James Tedesco, Dylan Edwards standards, you've sort of been like, oh, yeah, he, he, this is why he's not one of the best fullbacks in the game. And yet, he's setting up line breaks and try assists and he's kicking goals. But because he doesn't run 200 metres, so everyone's like, oh, he's not one of the best fullbacks in the game. Because he's not... And you watch KP. When KP does return the kicks, he's not about getting 20 metres. He's about, no. I want to get the ball into the middle of the field ready yes. to set our play up at, yes. at you know, second, third rucks. Or, you know, all... I know Greg's taking the next hit-up, so I need to get the ball near Greg, you know? Yeah, yeah, That's exactly yeah. it. Whereas Edwards and Teddy, that are just catch it, run, yep. 20 metres. But it's, it, and it's just such a false equivalency. Like, we don't want, we don't want Kalen Ponger to be a Tedesco or an Edwards. We, we want him to be Kalen Ponger. And what Kalen Ponger does well is that positional stuff, that, play, that ball play stuff. And anyway. Just off us, Paul Alamonti. So Paul Alamont at the start of this year, now I'm a big Supercoach player, and, and he was a big Supercoach because he was a cheapie, and everyone was, everyone was talking about it, saying, you know, like, he's this gun, you know, this kid that's huge, he's got incredible hands, he'll be an origin player within three years. Yeah. You now the dog's openly shopping and get rid of him halfway through the season. Like, it's amazing how quickly that turns. Very quickly. Like, to, like it's, I'm, I'm serious when I say eight weeks ago, he was a guy most dog fans would happily said, let's sign him for 10 years. Wow. You know, and by, he said by the... Yeah, he's 19. He's copping all the shit Bradman used to cop, you know? Rugby league fans, rugby league people, very impatient. We're, we're a very impatient lot. But I find it interesting that Gus has turned dogs, we've got a five-year plan, but we're, we're trying to shop a nine-year-old kid with unlimited potential. It can't, it can't be both, you no, know? Like, it's either, be. we're trying to win now, which is why we're trying to ship him out, we want to get good players in, or we're building, can't you know? It's a really odd, and it's just Gus talking through his ass as he always does, obviously. But well, that's what Gus is. Gus has always done that well. He's like, what, what do I need to say this week to get me through the next week? Yeah. And he's he's good, yeah. Like he, he's got his club salary, he's got his TV salary, he's got radio salary, he's got a newspaper column, you know, like just by and having five different opinions. That is. So that actually, I probably didn't appreciate the Crossland try. For a variety of reasons. But, you know, one of the things you and I have really struggled, we've really struggled with under the Adam O'Brien coaching, and again, we were talking about it earlier in this half, is that we probably haven't attacked in the way that we wanted to. So this is, we'll just, this is good from here, though. Yes, yeah, and this is, so this is yeah. what I'm about to say. Like, this is actually really good, and I hate this phrase, eyes up footy. Because the offload was on, you know, the break yeah. was on, the, the support play was on. Yeah. But it... It's not a high percentage play. It's very much a, we'll just play what's in front of you type of yeah. play. And for the first three years under Adam O'Brien, we've sort of said that the players look too afraid to want to play like that. Yeah. And so from a bro- in a broader context, this is actually a really good try to see. 
Because it's let it's just letting the players play. Yeah, it, it's offload back to your hooker, throw it out to your ball playing five eight, make yeah. half a break. You hook it back and up through the yeah. middle. You know, that's that fun footy to watch. It's, so, it's the sort of try Penrith score. Yeah, but the other thing as well is that within the game, because I'm looking I'm, again, you still don't know what's coming. And with eight minutes to go, we're 18 to nil up. And then I realised, well, we scored 12 points in the last eight minutes of this half. And that try there is just, it's like, we're just, we are playing a game that I'm not, I'm used to seeing played against us. I'm not used to seeing the Knights take advantage of what we're doing, you know, working over the opposition. And yeah, 100%. And again, like, we spent years, like five, six, seven years saying we must have the worst support play in the NRL. Yeah. And that is just one thing that you cannot say about the Knights now. Like even last night against the Tigers, their support play, there's, there's someone there, there's always someone there. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, it is, it is nice to see Phoenix proving a lot of us wrong. Because I, I said to you at the end of last year, I was like, look, Phoenix, for me, has entered that stage of we've given you enough chances. It's time for you to move on and, and see if you can do it somewhere else. But no, it looked like that one more season was just what he needed because he's, he looks like he's found his place in the So we're all, we're all crying for a backup hooker. Yep. Now, we read this one that Riley Jones is getting a top 30 deal next year. He's the cup hooker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do we now think that Phoenix is the bridge? What do you mean? So Phoenix is now... So, we've now, so we'll have three hookers in the top 30? Yep. So now, do we now think we don't need a hooker in terms of... Phoenix is still the lovely try. Phoenix is still the backup for now until Riley Jones is ready. Yeah, I think so. No, I think rather so. than bringing an Elker into that second spot. No, I think so. And that's a hundred. Obviously, the only risk is if Browns goes down in week two again next year, do we want another full year of Phoenix? You know. Well, so I think um, Harvey G was the one who said is that. Someone needs to tell O'Brien and Jaden Bray, you are you are not an eighty minute hooker anymore. Yeah, you just you yeah. just not, mate. Yeah, with the, with what we know about your body now, yeah. you are a forty to fifty minute. But the time, Abby Corrish had the time best player by yeah. length. Australia. The main day playing for eighty because they know he yeah, eighty breaks his body down. Mm. And they're they're willing to cop twenty minutes of bloody little or simple whatever they got now. Simple like that is, you know, <laughs> yeah. just because that's what they've got to cop to get out happy on the food more. Hey, we we were talking about it this morning. Um, because Bradman showed it a bit in, or showed a lot in Origin, but even just watching that try now, off the Kalen break, Braddy is, for some reason this this season, he's realised he's allowed to be fast from the moment he gets the ball. Yeah. He doesn't have to work his way up to it anymore. He's like, he, he, he's got... To me, that's, a, that's trusting his body. Yeah. That's trusting his body just to go bang, rather than build through the build through the years. Which when you notice when everyone said that slow turbo has become, that's because turbo's got that habit now, I can't just go bang, you know, I've got to build up to not tear my hamstring, which so, is what Brady was doing. And it's really funny you say, so it, it's obviously a combination of factors for Brady, because again, it's like you pointed out to me, he was playing first grade, like the week after his 18th birthday. Yeah. He's played 70, um, the mumbler pointed out to us, he's played almost 80 games for us now in, in, uh, before, by his 21st birthday. So there's a few factors going on there with Bradman. One is that his body's finally, in, you know, fairly injury-free. So I read the other day, this is most consecutive games at any level of football. So two, he's got that, he, he's, his body's now familiar with playing first-grade footy. It's not a new concept to him. But three as well, 
you know, he's in his fourth year of being a, a first grade centre. Yeah. So he's got a bit yeah. of experience under his belt from a, a gameplay perspective now. And credit to Nathan Brown, Nathan, even when he wasn't age eligible first grade, Brownie had him in the NRL squad training yeah. for getting his body ready. Yeah. And it, and you know, and it happens a lot. When, you, when they're still growing that 18 to 21, 22, they get the injuries anyway because the body's not ready for it and they, they're still growing. That happens a lot in football. You know, a lot of guys, when they play a lot in soccer, they when a lot of those guys play too much at that, no matter how fit they are, mm. they get injuries because the, you know, the body's still growing and the yeah. muscles are still yeah. growing. And I think that was, a, and Brady's, and with Brady with a lot of it was bad luck. You know, guys ran his ankles trying to stop him scoring yep. and landed on his ankle and doing a syndesmosis, you know, and that sort of. Now, he wasn't doing quads and calves and calves and hamstrings and. No, it, it's really it's good fun to see Brady in um, full flight now and. Uh, and someone did say, well, I'm not sure it was AOB, but someone did say earlier in the year like he's, not that he's more professional, but he's always been professional, but he's got more idea now how to prepare his body and treat knocks. Well, the the punishment for missing the bus. He spoke a lot about that actually in his pre in his pre day book. Origin debut media, where that sort of taught him a lot about having to grow up and be a professional footballer, and so that's probably something that's flowed through to the rest of the way he prepares himself now to play. And there's always a turning point in a lot of those young guys' careers that have that have been stars since they were babies, where they get to a point where it's time: am I now going to have a 15 year career, yep. or am I going to be one of those guys that just disappear and become a what if? And we were all worried he was going to be a what if. I was I was just worried that he'd go the way of a sort of um, I, I just thought injuries would catch up. With yeah, him. I I really did just start to worry that his body would just keep breaking and he'd wind up on a scrap heap. And it's one of those things where he's on pretty you know he's on great money now, but he was on pretty good money the whole time and barely playing. And you know and, and everyone's like, well, he's getting all this money. You know, it's, it's certainly our cap. He's not playing. Mm. You know, can we keep putting up with it? Mm. Because I think if, if this year was another year like the last few years have been, he's probably out the door next year. Absolutely. Even though he's contracted for next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. I think he was probably out the door. I think the rumours of him and Jacob being shot were probably real. All right, so look, as we listen to the uh, Bulldogs fans booing their own off, look, half-time in this game... Did you see that? Oh, sorry, the most racist, but I racistly laughed at it, I'll admit it, when um, they did the Simpsons of the Here Come the Pretzels or the Here Come the Kebabs. <laughs> And and I, and I believe it. It's racist to laugh at, but it just it just tickled me as a Simpsons fan, you know. No, 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 it really does. And a dogs fan shared it. Like a Lebanese dogs fan shared it. So I thought, well, they're, they're out there, they're putting it out there. Hey, halftime of this game, we're thirty to nil up. In classic Knights fans fashion, of course, we're all now thinking. Well, if we lose it from here, this will be. Oh the yeah, no. Thing I remember Mumbler saying we all realised this is going to get nervous at some stage, don't we? And we had no, <laughs> and we had no doubt. I, I had no doubt at some stage it would be 30, 36 to twenty eight or something. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just quickly though, if we're thirty to nil up in this game, off the back of three three game loss, what does Adam O'Brien say to the team at half time? to keep them switched on for the second half. I don't know, but it, me personally, what I would be saying is, you guys have had all these close losses, you know, you've had, you've worked your bat, bats off this year. Today's going right for you. Yeah. Let's enjoy our football, you know, let's play the football we know we can play. Let's keep it, let's not get nervous, let's not, you know, let's not disrespect the game by playing basketball, you know, let's play the football we know we can play 
and enjoy it because we you know, all those crappy weeks this is your chance to have a party you know I want to because co- coaching is a it's an art as much as it is a science and, and for me what you've sort of said there is the art of coaching what are some of the like the practical things that you can say like what are some of the practical tactical things that you can say you know, you can say to it to the forwards or to your outside backs, right? These are the these are the types of actions or activities that I just want you to focus on. You know, to either to start the second half or in the second or second half. What do you? What can you say to the, the players to say? These are just the small actions you can take on the field to maintain what it is we've done in the first field. So, are you saying to them? You know, I want you to focus on maintaining possession or. You know, Greg, Dom, I want you to focus on really getting that ball in that strong yardage. Right? Are you reminding them of the things they need to do well, or are you just leaving it at no? Let, I don't need to remind you about what you're doing. Let's maintain that vibe. You know what I mean? It's the first thing you got to say. Is you know the you know they're going to get a bollocking at half time. They're going to come out. And they're going to try and whack yep. you. Yep. So ball security has to be number one because they're going to throw their bodies at you because their coach is going to demand it of them. Yep. So you ball security, ball security. The only way they get back in this game is if we disrespect the football. Yep. So it's your yeah, it's your your meters and your ball security from your back four. You know, it's your forwards just doing we don't nothing special. Duck under your arm and run for ten meters. Your halves controlling the game, reading where the ball needs to go, kicking well. Because I, I guarantee you, at 30 nil at half time, most coaches walk out, probably walk out and go, if we win 42 to 6, I'm happy with that second half. Okay. You know, well, you know, one lapse is one, you know. First grade team, the whole first grade team, they're nearly over 80 minutes is not on, impossible. Because you, yeah, you just said something really interesting there is that a 30 to nil half time lead into a 42 to 6 win is a great outcome. But of course, the other way you look at it is that the losing team would look at that and go, "Well, we only the, the second half was much better. We only lost that twelve to six as opposed to thirty to nil." But from a from the overall winning coach's perspective, is like, "Well, no, that second half actually, in a lot of ways, is the half that I'm the happiest with, is because we still we closed out the game." And, and that's more of a, that's more a realistic first grade half. Yeah, you know, that's a first yeah. grade half of football. You know, twelve six. Yeah. All right, well, we're half time. We might um, stretch the legs and uh, have a breather, and um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll come back for the second half. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of rugby league or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable, and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's tees. All right. Well, we're back for the second half in um, the uh, the watch along for the Knights v Bulldogs record win. Knights kick off, and, and let's just see. Let's see if we can maintain what, like you said, those things that we're talking about at halftime. You know, strong carries, ball control, and just um, getting ready for. You know, an obvious reaction from the opposition. Hey, while we while we sort of watch this in the background, and I mean, we've we've spoken to Harry Ramage about it, who sort of said, "Look, you know, Knights fans, we do have a tendency to fishbowl existence, you know, tinfoil hattery when it comes to the way that we sort of think that we're." 
um, scrutinised. So, but I, I want to sort of put that that heat a little bit on Cameron Sorrell though, because we, we talked about it on the pod after this game. But I mean, thirty to nil down. You know, Cameron Sorrell though had all of these raps coming into taking over the the Dogs roster, which you know they recruited so well for. I mean, where is he? I mean, you know, he's, he subsequently won a, won a, the, the next game that they played. It just feels like, though, he's not getting that level of scrutiny that you'd think that someone would be getting for a team that put in this performance against against a Knights team that no one expected this from. First thing I'll say is, to me, what we've seen in the last few years is Ivan Cleary hasn't enough credit. So Trent, but say everyone, everyone used to say Trent Barrett was the key to the Panthers. That's how he got the manly job. I did not expect yeah. this. So, so Trent Barrett was out. Ivan Cleary is just the front man. You know Nathan's dad. But just Trent Barrett on the scene. We've seen that with total bullshit. So that then moved on to well, Cameron Serraldo's the man, you know, because he's been there so long, and he's the one that's actually controlled the other scene. He's not Ivan Cleary. We've seen that proven to be pretty much bullshit as well. Andrew Webster was there. But you know he's been, you know, he hasn't always been there like Serraldo has, and he's done a good job at the Warriors. But I, as I said, I think that a lot of there's a lot of assistant coaches are getting careers made out of Ivan Cleary and his success at Penrith. Now the next thing on Serraldo himself is it's a real concern for me, I'm a Dogs fan, about how poorly they come out of the season in the second half. Yeah. So they they began terribly, you know, after that, after an awful first half. Their coach would have been, you know, absolutely giving it to them. And what, we're two and a half minutes in, and we just blow them open in the middle with the guns of Lachlan Fitzgibbon and Kurt <laughs> Now, some credit, like, funnily enough, that's actually a well-constructed try. It is a well-constructed try. But it's Lachlan Fitzgibbon and Kurt Mann blowing you apart in the middle of the field. <laughs> I'm not sure they can blow apart me and you in the middle of the field. <laughs> Back on the nights... I think for us as a fan base, because like you said, we expected, what we expected in the second half, or the best we hoped for, was that it might finish a sort of 38, 40 points to maybe 12, 16 win. Because we anticipated that we'd blow, we'd blow them off the park in the first half and we'll consolidate in the second half by just trying to ride that home. Yeah. As a Knights fan, to see that try straight away in the second half, it gives you the op- it give if it actually presents you with an option to be able to like, hey, we can enjoy the rest of this game. Yeah. We don't have to watch this under fear that we're going to be embarrassed by letting this lead slide. You, you yeah. can actually sit back and go, well, maybe I can enjoy this now. Yeah. And you know, this is a season where the Titans go up twenty six point lead to the yep. Dolphins. Yep. And, you know. KP's landing is six through six, and of course, you know. We've just lost three games on the trot and conversions. We've lost uh, uh, four points, two points, and then, you know, what happened against the Panthers. But the, one of the big conversations about this is, well, we need to kick goals. We need to kick goals. You know, it almost, it almost proved to be an issue against the Tigers. And again, what we're watching here is that, oh, yeah, KP's just landing his sixth in a row. And not all of them relatively easy. And we're watching it like, is this really happening? Like, you're questioning what's happening in front of you because... It felt like such an aberration. Well, no, it was such an aberration at the time. But yeah, that that Kurt Mann try in the context of the season, the game, it was just huge. It was a huge way to start the second half. I wonder whether there's more 
um, heat on Serato already if Gus is not there running cover for him. Absolutely there is. I've got zero doubt about it. So then, so he's, he's got a five-year deal. It, it's going to cost them a fortune to get out of that if he proves that he can't coach. Now, I know they've got the laundry money, you know, you know, they can do whatever they want with that. But then you start again. You sack the coach, you, get, you start again. But they're worse this year. You know, injuries, I agree, they've had a lot of injuries. But they're worse this year than they've been since they've been here. Yep. So there's another... What was that the other thing I, I only just picked up on during this game as well? There was a bit of variety in our kicking game. Remember during the Panthers game, one of the things I was sort of pointing out was like, it's the same kick yeah. every time. Yeah. And it's the same... Not only is it the same kick, but the follow-up play doesn't match the kick we've yeah. just put in. Our, our, our kick chase does not match the solid kick we put in. Yes. So we, we go for the, the high bomb into the corner... Just to try and pin the team down, so you know, so there's no kick return, and against Penrith trying to limit Dylan Edwards and Brian Tao, understandable. Yep. But your, your kick chase has got to be perfect, otherwise they get it because the kick gets there well before the the line gets there. They've got 20 meters before you even know about it, and the next ruck's really easy because the first play of the ball is generally pretty quick. And yet, what we were seeing against the Bulldogs was is that there was that variety, but the kick, but the the. Re- uh, sorry, the defence matched the type of kicks that we were putting yeah. in. We actually were putting pressure on the dogs, both with the kick itself and the follow-up play. It was just, yeah, it was uh, it was good to see. Yeah, so there's that. Um, there's another kick there to that um, Marju Bradwing, and they both look a little bit um, uneasy with each other. You'd sort of think though that that's something, you know, we do forget it, it is just still an early combination. They've still got a bit of time to figure it out. Yes, I didn't realise Dom did not have a good game this day. Which in the end is a good like is a good thing because we put we scored eleven tries and we didn't need KP and um, Dom to be firing. Or at least to be the one scoring them. But yeah, Dom wasn't uh, he just wasn't on song today. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, and we seen last night, you know, it's been how, how we've always been under O'Brien, our winger score our tries, but in this game it was, you know, Phoenix with a double, Kurtman, Glockovitz mm. given. So I must admit, just on Dom Young, you know, one of the things that you and I sort of uh, comforted, us, comforted ourselves with the fact that, all right, well, Dom's off to the Roosters, um... You know, his defensive liabilities we don't have to worry about anymore, but it has, actually has been hard to watch. You know, as the season's gone on, he's just become more of a solid sort of complete first-grade winger. Like, his defence is not the problem that it was earlier in the earlier in the year. And, yeah, it's reaching that stage where it's just getting harder to, as the season goes on, harder to accept that he's leaving next year. There really is some poor play by the dogs in this game. Like that offload there, the offload in the end isn't the problem. It's what the centre decides to do with it when he gets it. And again, the dogs are making all of these mistakes that we're used to seeing the Knights play to just hand the game to the opposition. Yeah, see, Burton was terrible in this game. But Greg Margie's just running through him there. Who was there at 
the last few minutes of the first half once uh, Callum Rajat has been taken out of the play by Kevin Sorrado. Natural looking half there at the moment. Here's Pop. Since on his own 40, slowly to his feet here, feeling maybe an ankle or a knee. This is when I thought the dogs were done. Jack Hetherington should not be carving you up in the middle. Unless it's with left and right. <laughs> I thought Brady was hard done by me. Yeah, I thought this was a try. And funnily enough, it was something I saw in the game last night where I think Gamble went for the chip kick. Or anyway, someone kicked it at Buller. And you can see him sort of snatch at the ball, but because they say, oh no, that's bounced off him, yeah. the Tigers got to keep the ball. I'm like, well, how's that any different from what Brady does here? Yeah. Someone, like the ball bounces into him. He never yeah. plays at that no. ball. Yeah. And I know that they say, oh no, but you're, you're, you're tackling the guy who was playing with the ball. But I'm still not convinced it comes off no. his arm. See, this is the angle that shows it best. Ha <laughs> ha. This one here. See, I think they come... Just, just, oh. just, just hits him in the shoulder. Yeah. It's... And, and don't, don't get me wrong. You know, he gets his hat-trick in the end. That's not the... Um, I just... Yeah, I just don't... I don't agree with the bunker on this one. Hey, um, while, the, while the bunker butchers this... Let's let's have a bit of a ch Jack Hetherington is a big topic of conversation for Knights fans this morning. Um, Sinbin twice this season in almost exactly the same circumstances. You've sort of commented a bit this year that um, O'Brien clearly doesn't trust him, and unfortunately, it's been proven correct. I mean, where do we go with Jack? Do we persevere? Is there stuff that we can? Because brain snaps are brain snaps. Like you and I know. If you're of that sort of state frame of mind, you know, that's something actually you don't grow out of. Where do the Knights sort of go with Jack Hedrick? I don't know. He's done good coin for three years. Like, I can't see he's been able to move him. Mm. I think if we could move him, we'd move him tomorrow. Um, it's interesting that Adam O'Brien hasn't seemed to trust him all year. You know, like, So I wonder whether the signing of him wasn't his decision. Yep. Um, which is a real concern if that was the case. Um, if that's a, a purely Zamet decision... You know, and, and AAB didn't get a say in it. That's a real concern. But um, that's, yeah, with what Jack signed him for three years, I can't see how we could move him. You know, we might be able to unload him to England and get half, he have to pay half or something. Mm -hmm. And we'd probably take that deal, to be honest with you. Um, because I, I understood the signing in terms of, so he's a, he's a Valentine guy. He wanted to come home. He thought that would settle him down. Yep. Re reinvigorate his career. We needed, you know, a... Um, a psycho on the middle, you know, we needed that guy to replace Clem to come, you know, and come and be the aggressor, the, 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 aggressor, the maniac in the middle. Um, but we're not getting that with the ball. I would cop the, the, um, the sin bins if we were getting that aggressive with the ball. And, and, that's, and that seems to be the general consensus about, amongst Knights fans is that, you know, the idea was that, all right, we, we accept we're going to get sin bins, we're going to get the... And we accept that with Clem, you know, we, that was part of the Clem deal. Clem would give you 150 metres yeah. a game, we'd give yeah. you 30 tackles, you know, we're yeah. getting 15 minutes off the bench for Jack with fuck all. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting, uh, this is an interesting try by Marju here, it's that barge over. Try to do it last night. Worked against him against the Tigers. Instead of just falling over the line mm. and scoring. 
So it's funny, actually. We sort of talked him up, but this is probably one of the games where a lot of Greg's bigger, like, in a lot of ways, has been one of his poorer games. That part. Look at that ball movement, though, from KP to Bradman, though. But we're not getting enough credit for how potent our left side is. No, we're really you not. You know, we're, we're, we're nearly at South levels now. You know, like that... That first one of Margie last night looked Cody to AJS. Yep. Yep. Well, it was um, our good friend Harvey G who was pointing out to us that uh, this season I think the Knights have like some of the most centre involvements for tries scored in the comp. So we're obviously good at getting the ball out wide and moving it, you know, getting it across the line once it gets to our wingers. Remember the the, the draw against Prince when Brady didn't pass to Eddie. Yep. Think about it often. You know, so. That, to me, that was a great moment in Brady's career because since then he's realised that in first grade, his centre's job is not to score tries. Yeah. It's to put your winger over the line. Yeah. And it's a couple of times it's cost us where he should have just tucked it on his arm and gone for the line. But now he's starting to find the balance. You know, I think about it quite often is um, Wendell Saylor back in the day, he was, he was interviewed and they said, well, you've, you've played outside some of the best centres in the game. Who's the, uh, who's the best centre you ever played alongside to get you um, get you across the line? He's like, Matt Gidley. Hmm. He said, uh, Matt Gidley was always, he just, he, position was always great, his ball movement was always perfect. And he said, uh, I never, best, um, best centre I ever played outside of. And so I always think about Matt Gidley whenever I see our centres. And again, it's one of the things we overlook about that, um, that those halcyon days of that Knights team, late 90s, early 2000s, is that, um, you know, all of these great players that were revolving around Joey that was the centre of that u- universe. And one of them was Matt Gidley, who, yeah, was getting this great ball from this immortal half- halfback. And he was just feeding wingers. It's kind of... Um, I've been thinking about it, dude. Um, about the Lange. So, Alex McKinnon... He was injured again. Yeah, he done the shoulder again. Yeah. Uh, bloody terrible for him. Um, which is obviously a long-term issue that we don't have to face now. Um, yeah, so Alex McKinnon, who recruited him, openly says his best position is... Um, we're about to school here, are we? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jacko. Yeah, Jacko. Um, but look, just look at, look at Brady in space again. Yeah. He's running yeah. so freely. And, what did we say? Support play. Yeah. We've suddenly developed the ability to support the break. Yeah. Um, sorry, you were saying... Yeah, so Matt Abelangi, uh, Alex McKinnon recruited him and said he's possessed the best position is 5'8", which is what we all thought of Matt Gidley, which is what, is what made yeah. him a great centre. Yeah. And I'm wondering whether that's why the club is so insistent that he's a centre. Yep. Because we see, you know, we've got wingers that score tries. We need centres to give them the ball. Give them the ball. I really, I genuinely have forgotten just how young Bradman Best is. Like, you look at him there. Until recently, I've just been watching a first grade footy player who's not. This is when Jack had his quad. He bumped into the crowd. But you watch him there, you're like, that's a 21. That's a 20. Yeah, you can look at him and sort of go, what have I done? But you look at Brady there, that's a 21 year old who's finally enjoying the footy that he's playing. He's playing really good footy. Okay, so 27 minutes to go in this game, 46 nil up, kick to come. Cameron Soraldo's wishing he was still an assistant coach at Panthers. Was it about here where you started to think about 1999? No, I never thought we'd beat that, because I, I always thought we'd concede. Yeah. But here I'm just having a look over, 
we need 50. We haven't got 50 forever. Yep. You know, we have, today's the day. It has, today, we've got 27 minutes to get one more try, don't Yeah. We have to get 50 today. That's what I'm thinking here. It wasn't until 60 nil that I was thinking 1999. Yeah, right. I was thinking, I was thinking, we need, we get two more tries here, then we'll let one in and we'll still be above it. You know, that was what I was, you know. Yep. I was thinking. There's Damo with his flag. <laughs> yeah, but look, and Brady hits that at pace from the second he gets the ball. Actually, he's got the bit of the Gidley flicks about him there. You <laughs> <laughs> see him, Brady. Oh, that boy is all that is pure Central Coast. And when I see here, when I see Croaks coming, I'm going, okay, today's the day. Croaks scoring a winning team. Yeah, Today is yeah. the day. Hey, it's not so much a mid-season report card, but what what grade are you giving Tyson Gamble so far this season? And then the other reason I ask that is that. Like, I wasn't convinced when he, when we signed him. He started the season with a bang. Um, you know, he played that well in the end that he sort of pushed Kalen almost back to, back to fullback. But you and I sort of think he's not dropped off the past couple of, or few games, but certainly he's sort of found his, um, you know, he's found his level a bit more. Yeah, and, then, those, and I'll put that in the context of... All his flaws have been coming out recently. You know? yes. Defence has been a bit soft. He's made some dumb things. But last night we saw again what he brings to the team, which is the ability to have a guy on either side of the field that can pass 30 metres onto someone's chest yes. and and not and one of them not have to be KP. So what, what are you... Are you, are you he's getting, he gets, he's getting he, a solid B off me. Yeah, I was going to say, he gets a pass. Oh, yeah. I probably would have said a C plus. Yeah. Yeah, um, you, I'm giving you a B because last night got him back up to a B. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was yeah. down to a C until last night, but he was good last night. Um, but he did everything he sort of needed to do against the Bulldogs. And again, to a certain extent, that was one of the things that was the bit, like that we really enjoyed about this Bulldogs performance was that, you know, there was a lot of the... Um, ah, fuck, what's his name? Bill Belichick about it. It was like, just go out there and do your job. If you do yeah. your job, we'll win this game. Yeah. And this was one of the day where, days where all 17 players did their jobs and it all just clicked together. It's, it's really interesting. I like it. Uh, in, in, in the in the preseason, I'm thinking, people are saying yeah, the Knights' list is terrible, and look at it and going, is it? What no, about it what? What about is it terrible? And then I look at it now and I go, there's not one guy in our seventeen who's not a first grader. Whatever you think of yeah. Heather, he's a first grader. You know, yeah. like he's got to play first grade somewhere. Hey, just quickly, this foot to the to Hayes Perham's head from KP. No, this is the conversation we had about. Oh, so get, we were just talking. He about gets it, away yeah. with it because he does have to protect himself. Yeah. But there's a lot of the Billy Slaters there yeah. where they're like, yep. right, well, look, yep. Billy Slater introduced this to the game. Yep. He's not doing it on purpose. And Billy got away with it because he used to get bashed in the air. Yeah. And KP doesn't get the hits in the air penalties, but he gets away with that. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a fair result in the end. All right, make sure the player's all right, but there's yeah. no foul play in it. He didn't he kick of, him. He just had his leg up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Billy sometimes actually, you know, he did the old karate fucking kick. <laughs> <laughs> um... But, but it's funny, you know, that in terms of the... Yeah, because in terms of the turnover that we have sort of had with the players from, from last year, it's not that far removed where... Remember, like, last year going into the season... Well, no, actually, last year going into the season, everyone said we'd get the spoon, so... Um, 
But the oh, criticism, oh. the criticism was of O'Brien was that he wasn't getting enough, as much out of the quality in the squad in the two first two years. But now they're not they're not first graders, and I'm like, or they're not a great squad. I'm like, well, what is the like? What is the criticism of this team? Are we underperforming or are we not good enough? And you're sort of, um, yeah, it's it's just. It, the criticism of this team is, is still our best and worst is too far apart. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, particularly this season, given that we've got we've gone from a sixty-six to we've gone from a what was it, forty-eight to six loss, and we've got a sixty-six to nil win under our belt. But it's still a team that's it's yeah, it's still hard to get. Oh, here we go. Brady's gone. It's funny during this game. And we'll finish off the thought about the, the squad as well. But it's funny during this game because some of, some of the chatter actually did start about. Well, is, is, I think Mumbler said, "Is Brady in Origin consideration?" I was like, "Nah, surely not." Um, but clearly, yeah, he was showing all of the qualities here. It was like, "Yeah, that's going to look good in a sky, sky blue jersey." I'll talk about the um, the squad thing. So, to me, the, the the indication that we've learned our lessons in building our squad are the fact that. Oren Keeley's only getting a development there next year. Yep. So Oren Keeley played a game first grade last year by accident, essentially. Frizz got injured in the warm-up and he had to play because he was the 19th man. Um, the 18th man wasn't a forward, so he, so he came into the team. Um, so normally that guy then gets a Hollywood pressure put in this year to be a top 30 player, be a first grader, so it'll be then two years removed and he's still on a development deal and playing great in cup. So I watched all the cup last night and watched really closely those guys that you know that we all think are first graders. So him and Jack Johns played on the same side of the edge. You know, Jack Johns was playing lock on the defensive line. He was sort of on the left left side of the of the middle, and him and Oren switched around a little bit where they were standing. So Oren was defending a little bit one in, and just learning to tackle tackle men. And it's, it's the Melbourne Storm development of and Croach is copying the same treatment where. Guys are first graders, but they're not getting more than 15 minutes in first grade. Mm. Like, and Penrith do the same. Like Spencer Lini was a star, but he, well, he doesn't get more than 30 minutes unless Penrith you know, have injuries or they've got origin players out or whatever. And, you know, it's it's how you build forwards. Forwards should build into being first graders. And we've always thrown into the wolves. The Twins are a good example. Like, I'll never, I'll never knock the Twins for not meeting their potential because we threw them to the wolves, you know. Their bodies are 27 of the bodies of 32 year olds yeah you know which is why I always have a bit of a a bit of a leniency yeah you know they, they don't put in as much as I think they should but I always learn first grade forwards middle forwards especially but forwards in general have to develop into first graders mm. and we finally learnt that lesson of, yeah Croaks is playing 10 minutes a week a game this, this year um, as I said Aaron Keeley's still only on a development you know and he it's not just us that rate him you know he was Rated by everybody. Yeah, New South Wales under 19s. Everyone tried to steal him off us. If he went to the open market, he'd be, you know, he'd be get a top 30 deal easily. And probably at a good club. And, you know, he's happy to sign a development deal, which is a good sign for us. That he's going to stay on a development deal. And, you know, we can fill other other holes. Players are buying in. You know, absolutely. Um, and the, the fire around, you know, um, AOB, you know, losing the squad, that's just bullshit. Because guys like Aaron and Keeley don't stay on development deals if there's issues with the playing, with the playing group. It's funny, just just what you say about Oren Keeley is that 
Because I think about if the Storm did something like that, and they'd be... You know, everyone says this, no one recruits better than the Storm. And yet, because they've got that... Uh, Harvey G was saying, they've got that $500,000 a year... Jack Howarth. Yeah. And he's nowhere near first no. grade. Yeah, he's, he's so far from first grade that people on Supercoach use him enough because he'll never play first grade. So enough's a guy that you can put in your team at a minimum knowing he'll never play and get in your way. So... And, and this isn't a criticism of the, the Storm. Because, as we know, the record speaks for itself. They know how to recruit. Okay, they've made a mistake, and that's fine. You move on. But here's not only the Knights not making that mistake. <laughs> like, we're not playing... So, and, and, and as much as we bag the Heather, whatever he's getting paid, they're paying Jack Howarth more to play Cup. Yeah, yeah, which we're not doing. Yeah. But we've actually... We're making this really smart recruiting move with a young player who said, yeah, I'll, hang, I'll stay around. I'll, I'll put in the hard yards now on the development deals for what you're saying will happen in the future. The Knights deserve, they deserve some credit for that. Absolutely. Like that's, because if the Storm did that, they'd be hailed Absolutely. from um, from Townsville to, to Tasmania for, oh, the, the Storm have done it again. So we've got four or five top tier, well, and I don't say top tier in we all love them because they're nice juniors, top tier is in, you know, they're walk-up stars for their age rep teams. Yeah, and can I, can, can we just talk about that a little bit more? Because one of the criticisms that you and I have made of the Knights is that Making first grade was the goal, yeah. or that was the that was the pinnacle. But you get the impression now that the juniors that we're targeting, they want more than that. Yeah, yeah. So, I I actually I actually wonder in that just on that point. So a lot of the Queenslanders that of that golden generation of Queensland talk about watching the the hand grenade and that, and how much as kids that hurt them. Yep. You know, and then they that burn inside them. So I wonder whether these guys, juniors now, they're all obviously grew up Knights fans because they're local kids. The watching years. watching those shitty years, yeah. thought, well, you know, like we can be heroes. You know, we can turn this club around and be the next Premiership winners. Yeah. You know, and, and, go, and go back to the glory days where we kings of the city. You know, or we can be. That team that still gets mean with a little girl told Tyson Brazil they're a team of losers, you know, like. <laughs> but, um. So we've got these four or five. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, Bryant, Keeley, um. Martin. Martin. Martin's probably the, the star of a lot of them. Um. And there's a couple more, a couple more props off the cut, I think, on top of my head. But, yeah, and they're, they're, they're guys that are. Stars of their age group, you know, not just stars in our eyes. And these are all guys that are buying in. Like Martin, we got from Parramatta because he's a country boy that didn't want to live in the city anymore. So he's we bought in. Pig shoot in um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so he, um, so he bought, um, so he bought into coming coming to the Knights to get out of the city. But then he's, you know, he's taking, he's getting a top thirty deal next year, but he's not getting a big deal. Yeah. And this is a guy that you know was hailed. As the best young forward in 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 the NRL, uh, in the um, in the Australian Rugby League last year, you know, played a great game for the New South Wales starting at lock on Thursday night, and he's staying like he's just staying on a bottom of the end and top thirty deal, might still not might play first grade next year, might not. Whereas you could go to a club of the Tigers and get probably four hundred grand and be a first grader next year, you know. You are listening to the Bay Fifty Three podcast. Just while we've been talking, there have been a couple of interesting players, because we're 54 to nil up at this stage with 15, 20 minutes to go, but there's been a couple of really good plays there. The players are showing desperation. to sort of. So there was a, a loose ball there that Kirk Mann sort of jumped on. Um, 
there was a, a kick there for the corner and, you know, players were still chasing everywhere to, to wrap it up. We're still playing with a defensive intensity to try and maintain this dominance because mate, I remember the mumbler was um, messaging us at this stage going, hey boys, our points differential is in the positive. Now, as we've discussed since, we'll, we've subsequently got a draw, so it doesn't mean as much these mm. days. But yeah, the players are still playing with an intensity that, again, you know, we, we haven't seen before. Like we haven't seen those little footballing moments that we managed to complete. And like you said, we expected, right, you know, we'll put a school racket score up and then start to go into cruise control. So you thought by this stage the dogs would score, but they still can't get across the line. And so it's a game that you can enjoy watching as a Knights fan all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, complete tangent, did you see the other day Millie Ball talking about, um, there was a, que- a podcast she does, there was a, a, a listener question about should the women's ball be slightly reduced? So there's the reduced no, the areas. So I, I never considered that as an option. And Millie was, and Millie was like, yeah, that small difference where we can't put the ball in one hand like the men can makes a huge difference holding the ball in contact. She said like a tiny little reduction in ball size for the women's game would make a massive difference in terms of handling errors. In terms of handling, it would make a difference. What would it make in terms of kick metre each time? Yeah, they'd be able to further. They'd be able to kick like the men. Would they, would, they though? Yeah. Because it's a smaller object. No, but it's but you can get into an NFL ball, you can get it spiralling easier. Yeah, right. If it, right. it's slightly smaller, you get it spiralling easier. Because I'm just sort of wondering if you change the dimensions on the ball, do you change the dimensions on everything else proportionally? Or does the ball change then factor in that the, the players who are playing on those, it now makes... The biggest one in the women's game is, is the handling. Yeah. Right. Like, it's the, when people go, oh, it's, not a, it's not a good stand and they're wrong, but the, the criticism always is the handling is poor. And Millie said, you know, we do our, all we do all the grip strength side stuff the guys do. We practice, you know, holding the ball in contact. But we can't grip the ball like the men can, you know. We don't have the big hands. We had a grip it when someone bashes you on that ball-carrying arm that your grip's maintained because our hands not as well around the ball. A slight reduction in the ball size would make a massive difference. Um, look, I'm not against it. I, I sort of, I haven't thought... I will say this, the, the trial match that I went to what that, that was played between the Broncos and the, and the Knights, great game. Like a sort of, and that was the the preseason. They're still in preseason. You know, they're still working on their handling as well. Um, I'm all for anything that improves the women's game. It's great fun to watch. See that that's a great lo- uh, line run by Anari there. I'm really glad to see him score. Awful, awful defence. But that that is that is. That is Knight's one-win season awful defence. That's yeah. how bad that was. Yeah. Like, you and I could have run through that. The two of us together could have run through that gap in the line. It just shouldn't be there at this level. Yeah. yeah. Interesting comment there from Blocker. The, the dogs haven't been able to come off their line. I'm like, no, they just haven't done it. There's, there's been nothing stopping them. We have gotten a roll on, I admit, but like that was on. That's off their own try line. There, it's just, it just feels like such soft defence.
be back in time for the Tigers. The Knights have the bye next week. That'll be their third and final bye for the season. Then they take on the Tigers. A Friday night game. And be in prime time football will be at home against West. <laughs> it's, it's interesting the um the no, the players um, stance I'm not talking to the media the story's going to get so bad there's so much just made up speculation about rubbish to fill Colin's space yeah. now man I want to give a massive shout out to um, I think good friend of the pod Adam Adam Murray of uh, uh, NBN News he did a post on Twitter and he was just like, you know, how good was being able to cover the state of origin? I was at the game live. I really enjoyed covering the sport. And I was like, that's right. You you got to, you celebrated covering the, the sport. And we made a point of posting, there's no complaints here about, oh, but what about pre and post game interviews with the players that's ruined the coverage? This was a guy who was like, I got to cover the game. It was a great experience. And um, yeah, we need more people like him in the media. Hey, I'm only just noticing it. Those Sydney tools... Well, now the, the that's are they are those signs actually there? No, the ones on the ground. Yeah. No. Yeah, they can, that's um that's that computer generated stuff, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Telstra's not actually there. Oh no, I know the stuff on the fields, not, yeah, no, no. but around the edges. No. Anyway. All right, so thirteen minutes to go. We're at sixty to nil, and yeah, we're um we're sitting in nineteen ninety nine territory. And that 90, you know, you look think I was at a 99 game and, you, and that was South at their lowest and us at our peak, you know. Yeah. This is not two teams that were, had the same amount of wins going into no. the, you know. This really, is an, this really is an extraordinary performance on so many levels, levels by this Knights team. And, you know, and we said it when we recorded after this game is that you think about poor Harry Ramage, who deserves a lot more from the Knights than you and I do. And he decided to, you know, do a fan podcast in the worst possible season imaginable. And, it, you know, we got the opportunity to talk about something like this. Because this really, at the end of the day, and Adam O'Brien pointed to it a bit in his presser, you know, this was a performance for the players to own. But, man, this, this was for so many fans. Like, so, our fans absolutely deserved. Ah! Take it away, mate. This, this, is, this is your time. No, it was. It was not forward, and you know it, son. See, look at the body position. Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> it's, it's considerably more back than I thought it was. It's half a metre backwards. It's simply the fact that he stops still when he passes it. Oh, my Lord. It's even worse than I thought it was. It's half a metre backwards, and they don't travel a metre. Yeah, that is an embarrassingly bad call. I, um... Yeah. Oh, Leo does it. Yeah, Leo absolutely does So we got Rob the two tries. Should have been well over 70. Correct. Well, we were on course. We really were on course for 80 on this day. So as you and I are recording this, words just coming through to us of the David Riccio article. Is it Riccio? Riccio? Riccio. Riccio? Like it matters. <laughs> so the criticism now 
of the night. And this is just to me why it's always there's a new and improved way to put shit on the night. So the criticism of the Knights now is that now that we've won two in a row, they're doing a disservice to Adam O'Brien by not publicly stating that he's safe in the in the job. And I'm like, is there any other club in the in the comp that has to confirm that their coach is safe when they're winning as well yeah. as when they're losing? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's a lie because the club have said that. That's right. Phil, Phil Gardner has said multiple times and. He's contracted to then at 24, and he'll be the coach till then. We'll make a decision sometime during 24 if an extension comes or not. How is that not the perfect position to take and the appropriate position to take? This time next year is when the decision will be made on whether he gets more years. That's the right time to make the decision. Joe makes a really good point here. He said last week, Richie, I mentioned Danny Badiris. Here we go. Actually, you know what? I think it's really fair. Phoenix Crossland scoring the record-breaking try. Yeah, good on you, son. Kept me into Phoenix Crossland. <laughs> <laughs> that is just it's so just, it's just like Judge of the Deer. It's just like Judge of the Deer. It's just like Judge of the Deer. But, you know, jokes aside... Oh, we, we, on that quickly, credit to AAB. He's got that rotation better now. Yeah. He's brought Kurt on for 10 minutes at hooker. And then when um, Elliot goes off, uh, sorry, when Elliot goes off, and then he then takes Phoenix off and puts Kurt in at, um, at hooker. So, yep. Sorry, rather than lock. Um, yeah, he's got that right now. Kurt comes on for only 10 minutes, then plays hooker. Whereas before, Kurt was playing half an hour at lock and then trying to play a bit of hooker if necessary. And it was not fair on, on either of them. But no, he's got that right now, AAB. I feel like Peter Parr... Well, I just I feel like yeah, okay, that's a smile from Adam O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. Adam O'Brien smiling. Yeah, not calling um, Tyson Gamble a fucking idiot like <laughs> I feel like Peter Parr has brought a lot of the better coaching out of Adam O'Brien for whatever reason, whether he's a calming influence or whether he's taken some responsibility. So as we often break from where we sit in Baby Three, we see the night's bench. Yeah, and Peter Parr last night, I at least twice went along the bench and shook everyone's hand, in every player. Every member of the staff, every fan that was anywhere near them, he did that twice. He did that when the game was wrapped up, and then he did that after full time. Yeah, you know, like that stuff that the toxic- we noticed it last year. We noticed it last year for round one of the NRLW. He was down yeah. on the bench yeah. with the women with the yeah. women's team, and it's, it's interesting the effect that that success the women's team had on the club. Oh, 100 percent. You know, the one hundred Uncle Ron being the great human he is. Peter Parr being what he is and that success at the club has just, it seemed to have gone through the whole place, hasn't it? Mm. So um, I posted the photo of uh, running into Uncle Rob at, uh, at the trial last week. And uh, he, he didn't, the only thing he said to me was when I said, oh, can I get a photo with you? And he just said, he said uh, with a big smile, I said, oh, I actually get a little bit embarrassed when people want to take a photo with me. And um, just that, hum- and it's not a fake humility of yeah. the man as well. It, it's a guy who... He's exactly like he is in the press conferences. He's like, the, the wins are for the players. Yeah. The wins are about the players. The wins are not about me. Yeah. And um, yeah. that has, yeah, for the, for the publicity that that win by those women, it has to have some sort of impact on the club as a whole. Even last night, um, after he'd been interviewed by Hawkey, and then um, Millie was there getting ready to do a Channel 9 stuff, and they met and they were hard and a laugh and whatnot. Mm. And I saw just the relation that Millie's walked down on the Premiership winning team, you know. A lot of coaches would be filthy at it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, 
but no. Well, that because that, that's how I saw Ron last week. He was talking with Romy, mm. and they were obviously catching up. And um, yeah, you can tell those players are a lot more to, to Ron than just um, yeah. Yeah. just uh, names on the team sheet. Okay, so we've got seven minutes left in this game. So we obviously don't score again, but no. we've given away a penalty here. Um, you got to keep them to nil. Yeah. From here, yeah. it's not a, it's not going to be a disappointment, but you're you're looking at a perfect game. You just can't let them score. Yeah, eleven tries, eleven goals to nil. You just get the perfect game of football. Mm. Again, we're just looking so strong in it. I, I must admit, all season we have actually looked quite solid on our uh, on our own um, try line in defence, which again you and I are just not used to having. Tell you what, the ref was working hard to get them across the line here. Another six again. Well, say another. So they haven't had many opportunities up early, but still. <laughs> How did we let Jacob Carraz go? So Jacob Carraz, the whole thing about him was, you know, he's just a meter reader. Well, Greg Marge has got him covered by about 60 meters a game. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> at half time. <laughs> you know, it's just... <laughs> and I know Carraz had a few injuries since the hot start, but he's been poor the last month. Yeah. Oh, man. Cameron Serraldo is not looking like he's having a good time, and nor should he be. But yeah, we've seen a lot of our coaches um, with that look on their face. I've got to admit, it's the energy that we're still showing at this stage that just stood out to me by now. Because it's sixty well, with sixty-six points on the board, there'd be no criticism of them for putting the cue in the rack and just cruising home. Just quietly, I was really worried about Braddy here when it looked like a hip drop, but it was the reverse where it could have hyperextended his knee. I was very concerned for a moment. Hey, I do want to make mention of it. The, the treatment of Hayes Perrin by the Bulldogs uh, is disgraceful. Disgraceful. It's just... He's, I, like, there, there are excuses for it uh, that he's been poor for months and won't get dropped, and I don't disagree with that. But that's not his fault. Yeah. It's... To single out him yep. on a game on a game like today, yeah, exactly right. You're getting sixty six put on you, and you're booing one guy every time he touches the football. Like it's his fault the coach picks him. Mm. Oh, that's all right. Now, they're gonna boo one player on that team, which should be GPJ. Hundred percent. He's on a fortune. He's a lazy piece of crap, and he's a pretty <laughs> shit human off the field. You know, like. I didn't know about the off-field stuff. Oh, he's in Brisbane. He's oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was a biker. Yeah, yeah. He was a horse. Oh, gosh, how time has flown. That's the notification in <laughs> Hey, we'll, we'll probably talk more, a bit more at length about it in um, when we record another episode. But just quickly, while we're... We've got seven more... We've got seven games left this uh, this season... Four of them at home. Can we be aiming for five wins out of our, out of our last seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the two danger games in terms of losses, funnily enough, are both at home. 
But we don't want to be putting pressure on ourselves to have to be winning all three all three of our away games. Yeah. So that means we have to pick up a win out of the Rabbitohs and the Storm. Yeah. You know, I mean, next week's massive. Yeah. Because so, not only the fact that it's the Storm and it keeps us in the hunt, you have the, the two, two good wins we've had, then you beat the Storm, all of a sudden that momentum starts to roll. You know? yeah. You've got two big away games yeah. with that momentum on your back. You know? You've got Canberra and the Dolphins, which are both very winnable. You know? yep. As good as Canberra are this year, Canberra are Canberra. You know? They win by two every week. You know, we have a... In historical wise, our record in Canberra is shit, but we this team under the O'Brien era have been really good against Canberra. And yeah, you you've been saying over the past few years, the Raiders fans, their biggest knock on the Knights is that Kalen Ponga only plays one year. Yeah, absolutely. Two games a year yeah. against them. Yeah, Kalen Ponga gets six million points a year against Canberra. But that so that's the thing is that you and I think any more than two losses, that season over, it's not yeah. even in question. So one of those losses. We, we accept it's probably going to be at home. Yeah, see, just there, that hyperextension. Anyway, Brady was fine. You anti- you, I've got to have Brady's calf, by the way. He was limping at the full... T- he, was, he had a calf going into the game last night, and he was limping and went off early. Yeah, he w- actually, yeah, he did look a bit ginger after the game as well. Although, it can't be an issue. He wouldn't have played if there was an issue yeah. there. Uh, you'd be very surprised if we're going to beat both of the Storm and the Rabbitohs if we're going to beat, beat it. So we've got to win one of those games. But that then goes, well, we can only lose one of those three away games. Which are Dolphins, Canberra... And the Dragons. And the Dragons. So, got, you, so you've got to beat the Dragons. And this is the thing. If this team wants to say we're a new and improved Knights team, we can't just say, oh, no, we always lose to the Dragons. Yeah. This Dragons team this year, you have to beat. Yeah. Yeah. You just cannot be losing to yeah. this Dragons team if you were going to... And then the way the Dolphins' season's imploding, we should be beating them in pair. Yes. So, um, if I'm Adam O'Brien and I'm talking to this team now... Just you know, just quietly, we've had, a, we've had a pretty good draw this year. You know? we've yes. A lot of hard away games have been on neutral venues. Yep. You know, we play, uh, we play Manly at Mudgee. Sharks at Coffs. Sharks at Coffs. We play the Dolphins in Perth. Um... So, if I, but if I'm Adam O'Brien, because you're not looking too far ahead, you're obviously only thinking about next week. But yeah, he must be saying to the t- boys, we, we, "Let's aim to beat the Storm next yeah. week." Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the fact that, you know he's a Storm life member. You know, every time we played him under him, we've got pumped. You know, like yeah, we've pl- we've been beaten. Oh, we weren't beaten too badly against them in 2020. They were close losses, but they weren't good. See, by this stage, a minute to go... 54 50, to 7 50 missed tackles. Seven we only missed, missed 7 missed tackles in 80 minutes. Jesus. So again, as I said, yeah, the Bulldogs were that bad, but we had to do something right to... And even when teams are this bad, you're not, get, you're not missing only 7 tackles. Um, 30 seconds to go, yeah. You sort of... You really are by this stage. Don't let them score. Don't score. Oh, so good. I love watching Lockie's reaction there when he knows that we've stopped the try. The great thing is there, the two guys that love playing for the Knights the most, Lockie and Phoenix. Yeah. And for those guys in the record books. Yeah, I'm surprised he tries to go back in field. I'm surprised he doesn't dive straight for the line. 
That is great. That is actually really great defence there by Lachlan Fitzgibbon. That's it. But he never gets the ball down in the end anyway, does he? Not really. Uh, I think in particular, you know, days like today, games like today with the players like Lachlan Fitzgibbon, the criticisms he's cop, yeah. Phoenix Crossland, Kurt Mann, and Ari Tuawa, those are some of the players that really deserve As much as what if career Lockie's career's been because of injuries and whatnot, you know, he's got this of his record, you know? Like, yeah. 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 Four seconds to go. Mate, you watching it back. Genuine question: Which is the more remarkable thing to you, the sixty-six scored or the nil conceded? It's the sixty-six, but the nil's pretty pretty up there. It's the sixty-six in terms of we haven't scored fifty for what ten years. Ten years, so, yeah. you know. We've not only got fifty, we've got sixty-six. And as I said, the thing that I keep coming back to. We had the same amount of wins as the dogs going into this game. We were mm. a point ahead from our from our draw away. Mm. Now this wasn't a team that we were much better than, you know. On paper I think we are a lot better than them. But on the ladder, you know. Um, and it's funny how the narrative changed, you know, like now and then after that game people go, well, the dogs lost us pathetically like three years to build. Coming into this is our lot to pathetic and, yeah. and the dogs were gonna push for the eight. Because this is, and this was the next thing I was actually gonna say, is that well what's the more remarkable actually? I said about the point score but What's, but it's the most remarkable thing is the fact that we did this away from McDonald Jones State. Yeah. yeah. Because we are a team, and our concerns about Adam O'Brien as the coach, of all the concerns we had, is that this team, his team don't travel, and they travel really poorly. And the fact that we were able to score that many points, not concede any points, but do that after travelling to Sydney, Kind of, you really do kind of hope that it might be a turning point for this team now. Whatever happens this season, it might be something that gives them the confidence now to go on and do what it is Adam O'Brien wants to do with this team for the long haul. It was like the perfect moment where the dog season was starting to implode and we were just, we, we'd shown that there was a performance coming and it just happened to be you know, on that day. Great day that it was. Hey, um, that was really good fun. I enjoyed watching yeah, that. Yeah, I watched that another 10 times that game. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, uh, enjoy the rest of the footy.
Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.